This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, Matt Marchese, nice sweet from the Philadelphia Flyers. Orange and black Cooperalls. I figured you would love that. I do love it. I mean, they were, as I just tweeted out, uh, adding on to the Flyers tweet. So the Flyers, by the way, they're going to be wearing the Cooperalls, the, uh, the long pants with the, uh, the orange stripe and the Philadelphia Flyers logo down around the ankle. They're going to be wearing them during warm-up uh, every time they wear their reverse retros. So this was technology. Did you ever, I'm creating a generation gap here. Did you ever try Cooperalls? Did you ever play in Cooperalls, Maddie? No, they were never an option for me. At least I don't think so, unless it was like early when I played. I'd have to ask my dad about that. I'm sure I'll get a text. Okay. So I played with them, okay? And they were really difficult to play in because when you went down, like when you fell, you slid. Right, so really, really challenging, and I guess really dangerous too if you're sliding anywhere around the boards. Um, but there were a couple of WHA teams I know that used to use these um, in their in their camps. That might have been the first time I was ever aware of this Cooperall thing. Um, the OHL, the Ontario Hockey League, uh, adopted Cooperalls before they came to the NHL. The Flyers wore them for two seasons. And I think Hartford just did for the one. And I'm always curious about or wonder about things that were ahead of their time. Like, I still think that somewhere down the road, this will be the look in the NHL. Like, we'll be going away from the pant and the sock, and we'll be going to, like, more of a full pant look like this, uh, like the Cooperalls used to be. It was just, like, bad technology at the time. Like, those, those pants were just horrible. But if you created them now knowing that you need to be able to, you know, first of all, not slide as much as you did with the original Cooperall, they'd be much better because they do provide a really cool, it's like a lean, sleek look for hockey players, Maddie. Yeah, they would have to, they'd have to change the material because I feel like you need a little bit of stretch in them as well. Because when you're going down, like even if you're trying to block a shot on, on one knee or whatever, it doesn't feel like those pants would have a ton of stretch in them. So that would be a bit of a concern from my end, you know, because I, because I blocked so many shots when I was playing growing up and still do to this day. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but, but that's, but I think that's where we're going. I, I am curious to see because technology is always changing. I wonder if we go to a yeah. Style where the shin pads and everything is all included in the pant leg so that everybody can get dressed a hell of a lot quicker, especially for young kids. Isn't roller hockey like that now, though? Because they have roller hockey I think has so. the long pants. So they have everything sort of built in. They have the girdle built in. They have the, the jock built in or the jill built in. And they have the shin pads built in, too. I think roller hockey... It might be. going to tweet me or, or text me and tell me whether I'm wrong. I think that's... I think that's kind of how roller hockey does it, no? Might be. I like it. I like the look. I like the look. Um, very cool. You can check that out. I just retweeted the, the Flyers tweet there about uh, the return of Cooperalls in warm-up when they wear the reverse retro. And as someone tweeted underneath, cowards, wear them in games. Elliot Friedman next. News of the day. Merrick Show continues. Also, Mike Russo, hour two. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Uh, busy night around the NHL. We'll have our eyes peeled 
The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Dallas Stars, also the Edmonton Oilers and the Carolina Hurricanes. There's a few. Buffalo Sabres don't look now, but they look good to kick off the season. They'll face off against the Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks. Travel to Minnesota to face off against the Wild. Uh, Mike Russo covers the Minnesota Wild for The Athletic, and he joins me now. Mike, how are you today, pal? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm just uh, digging on a lot of these reverse retro looks. Um, mm-hmm. I was mentioning last segment uh, how much, and I'm I'm glad that it returns the uh, the Minnesota Wild slash 1978 Minnesota North Stars uh, motif. To me, this might be the best one. You know, I loved it when they first came out, and that you know that picture of uh, the enduring image of Zach Parisi with his his dad's gear and the Minnesota North Stars motif. The reason I love that they went with the 78 Stars motif is the same reason why I like the San Jose Sharks. Going back to the California Golden Seal 74, because any chance, Mike, I get to talk about Jill Malosh is a good day. <laughs> Legendary number 27 for your California Golden Seals, who I still maintain, if I can pontificate here, if he would have played on better teams and didn't play on, you know, a Bad Barons team or North yeah, Stars right. or California Seals, we'd probably be talking about him the way, you know, we talk about Bernie Perrant or talk about Jerry Cheevers or Ken Dryden or Billy Smith. Just one of those guys that's just great goaltender, just trapped on bad teams for his uh, his entire career. But uh, before we get into tonight's matchup, your thoughts on the uh, the Minnesota Wild reverse retros? Yeah, I love them. I'm actually I'm do, I'm working on a story on Billy Smith right now, and and uh, a couple of people have actually mentioned that exact thing to me that you know he put Jill right there in that era as one of the great goalies. Um, but yeah, I can tell you, Minnesota Wild fans love it. Uh, you know, the, every time the the Wild do anything uh, with North Stars colors, whether it was um, you know at the uh, Stadium Series game or obviously the two reverse retros they've had, you always get the the, the questions from Wild fans, like any chance they ever rebrand their colors and things like that. I mean, you know, the Wild have done you know hard work to try to make it uh, very two different brands, two different franchises, and obviously the, the Wild have been here 22 years, so I don't see a, a change anytime soon. But Wild fans are certainly excited about this jersey, and if it's like the the first re- reverse retro a couple of years ago, they'll fly off the shelves in minutes. Um, the Wild uh, are one of those teams that, I mean, they were gone before before the first day. And, uh, you know, it's been, I think, a source of frustration inside the wild that they haven't been allowed to, you know, bring them back, sell them the last couple of years because it's added revenue stream. And uh, so this this thing will be off the shelves very, very quickly <laughs> in, in a state that, as yeah. you know, uh, very, very provincial here in Minnesota, and they love themselves, the North, the North Stars. Uh, they really do. And that's one of those, like, take my money, please, uh, looks. Like, yeah, I, I'm, exactly. I love it. Uh, I like to me, that's like, okay, how, how much like it's say, save me a couple of nickels and dimes and maybe a little bit of dignity, but I'm going to surrender my entire wallet, uh, over to you to grab this, uh, this Minnesota wild gear. Um, so Minnesota wild still looking for their first win. Is it too easy just to say that they're getting goalied the bad way here, Mike? Um, last game, definitely. Um, I don't think they play particularly great the first two games, um, you know, certainly not the first game of the season against the Rangers, uh, who, uh, you know, right now to me look like the best team in the East. Um, but, uh, you know, the look, they didn't get great goaltending against L.A., and last game was a very winnable game. They outplayed the Avalanche, I thought, from start to finish and, and just got back-breaking goals against by Gustafson. Um, you know, Fleury has been embarrassed by his start. He's um, made it extremely clear. 
He's going to get the nets again today. Dean Evison loathes pulling goaltenders, and he and Fleury gave him no choice in the second game. Uh, you know, after after giving up seven in game one, um, that fourth goal in particular against the LA Kings is just can't happen in the National Hockey League. A goal from the point unscreened, mm-hmm. um, you know, needs to be stopped. And Fleury admits that he just never saw the puck that he was looking to see where everybody was. Next thing you knew, no, the puck is behind them. So, um, look, the, the Wild have tried to change lines and work on their defensive structure and all this type of thing, uh, take out Marco Rossi, which I thought was bizarre. Um, if they don't get goaltending, uh, this, there's nothing else matters, and it's got to be better than it is. Um, you know, they, they just uh, – the two of them have not looked good, and, and uh, it is very, very concerning um, you know, after the Wild essentially traded uh, Capo Kakinen uh, last season, uh, Cam Talbot over the yeah. offseason, and in my eyes left themselves extremely vulnerable because they don't have a third goalie that, that to me is somebody that you're going to feel comfortable just bringing up and, you know, and and spelling these guys. So, um, you know, if, if let's just say, I mean, if Flurry keeps on getting shellacked here, Bill Guerin's going to have to address this for this season as a chance to go to Haywire pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, what, uh, just to rewind a second here, what was the thinking behind the Rossi move? Because I think that, you're right, like that kind of, I think a lot of people were surprised. What was the thought process? I, I mean, there? yeah, I mean, I, I think the thought process was to get more of a traditional fourth line, and he didn't, uh, Dean didn't, um, you know, whether it's Dean or a group decision with the coaching staff and Bill Guerin, they didn't want to change the top nine and, and elevate him in the lineup. Um, Rossi had right. played 21 shifts in two straight games where the wild were down three, nothing in the first period. So as a fourth liner, you're going to get, you're going to get lost. Um, he did take a penalty that led to the third goal. I thought it was a chintzy call regardless, but um, even if that's what, what drew the ire of the coaching staff, the wild have taken a lot of crappy penalties so far in the first three games of the season. Um, so to, to pin it on a 21 year old that is just playing his first couple games um, on the fourth line, um, he's also on the number two unit, and because the power play has actually been so good, um, and that first unit has possession of the puck, seemingly the entire power play, that second unit has barely gotten any shifts. And so, um, you know, he didn't have a chance to gain traction on the power play. Um, and again, even strength, he, he got very few shifts, especially in the second game of the season. So um, they're now throwing him back in the lineup tonight, and he's going to play. Um, up in the lineup with Matt Boldy uh, for the first time. He didn't get any shifts with him in training camp. And uh, Freddie Goudreau, it has the makings of what should be a good line. You know, the concern I have now is, you know, does, you know, how much pressure is Rossi going to feel going into these games now? The Wild have gotten very crowded. They're getting Jordan Greenway back tonight. They have two skilled forwards now on the fourth line. If the Wild didn't like their makeup of the fourth line a couple games ago, uh, you know, are you going to like with Tyson Jost and Sam Steele on the fourth line? So, you know, I, I guess my biggest concern here is 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 the writing on the wall that 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 Rossi is going to be sent to Iowa here at any moment, just if he has one bad game or two bad games. I mean, you know, um, this is a team that's trying to conserve cap space, might have to now uh, to get a goalie, and um, you know, to have a bunch of extra players on the roster makes no sense with your with your farm team so close. Now they do have a five game trip coming up. They're obviously going to take an extra D and an extra. Uh, forward John Merrill's coming back, so we could see Schuster here on waivers at some point, unless they do want to carry AD. So there's just not a lot of room up front if if they don't suffer any injuries. So um, you know they're they're after such a great training camp to treat Rossi the way they did so early. Um, in 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 my eyes, not putting him in a position to succeed or not whether it's them doing it or just the way the games went. 
I just think it was a, a really peculiar decision so early uh, to say that he needed a breather in the press box two games into the season where he basically got almost no shifts in those games, even strength on a fourth line. Are, are, are we at that? You're just rewinding to the to the point about goaltending. Are we are we already at that point where Bill Guerin needs to start thinking, okay, how am I going to make room here in case I need to bring in another goaltender? Like, are we game by game? It's like, okay, we've got Vancouver on Thursday, and then Saturday mm-hmm. we're into Boston, and then you know Montreal, Ottawa, and Detroit next week, and we'll see. Like, are we are we getting into we need a new goalie whispers all of a sudden now with well, Minnesota? <laughs> Definitely in the media, uh, you know, certainly with the fan base. I don't know internally uh, what conversations they're having uh, behind the scenes. I mean, they're realists. They know that there are three games this season. They've gotten terrible goaltending. So, you know, again, if, if Marc-Andre Fleury gets shellacked again, um, they are going to have to start to think about this because they've played, you know, the, uh, to me the most dejecting game was the Colorado game because that game was so winnable. And, again, you trade Cam Talbot for Gustafson, and Gustafson came in there um, after not playing well in reserve uh, in the L.A. game, um, then coming in last game and giving up just, I mean, three terrible goals. And, um, and the fifth goal, right. the fourth goal, is just an unconscionable one. You know, you pull yourself back in the game, and next thing you know, McKinnon dumps the puck. He can't handle it, and Branton scores an easy tap. And then the Wild weren't the same game from the re- same team from the rest of the, the game from that point on. So, um you know, I do think it's something that I, I think it's incumbent on a, on a you know managerial staff to at least sit there and you know kind of like sometimes when a coach is on the hot seat, you have your little list of like, all right, who can we go out and get? I think it's the same thing. They got to start identifying goalies that maybe you can go out and trade and pray to goodness that if that ever happened, that it would be a Devin Dubnik type situation from what 2014 or 15, whatever that year that was, where they traded Pendubi and um, he just caught fire and became a Masterton winner and a Vezina finalist uh, just being here from January on. And um, so I just, I do think that there is a lot of eyes right now on the goaltenders and, and Flurry looks like he's feeling it. I mean, he is, he doesn't look confident. Um, he, you know, he'd had a great practice yesterday and was trying to be his affable self this morning, but he admitted it after game two where, you know, he, he had lost his confidence. He was embarrassed by the way he was playing. Um, he kept on calling the goals that he's given up quote stupid, um, so I do think that there is definitely a concern inside the organization on just, uh, you know, what, what, you know, put sort of position they put themselves in here. And I think mm-hmm. part of the problem is the lack of a third goalie. You know, they don't want to obviously bring up Jesper Walsbad at 19 years old and put him in this situation. Um, I think that'd be development malpractice. If all of a sudden you change your long-term development plan for a goalie based on three games. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I think that if they knew that they were trading Talbot, and we're going to have a Talbot Flurry tandem. I think that the probably the the you know the the McIntyre resigning doesn't happen. I mean, maybe they would have tried to you know sign a Charlie Lindgren or or somebody like that that can you know maybe be more of a, a steady either you know number two or or definitely a you know a guy in Iowa that you could bring up and feel comfortable throwing in there. Uh, to happier news for the Minnesota Wild, yeah. the 0-3 Minnesota Wild. You know, we we wondered, Mike. Uh, you know, would um. Would Matthew Boldy be able to do this without Kevin yeah. Fiala? Maybe we're starting to say the reverse. And man, Boldy looks good. <laughs> like I know he was on. You know, he snuck on some some Calder ballots last year, and for good reason. And a lot of us wondered, okay, how much of this is the Fiala effect? Right now, I'll be blunt, and this is no slight against Kevin Fiala. I'd say none. None of it was the Fiala effect. This guy just flat out good. Yeah, he is very good, and that is a major cap 
consideration the Wilds are going to have to have here in the next couple couple months uh, is, is what do you do with <laughs> with him? Because you know you see the contracts guys getting around the league, and and uh, Boldy is looking at a major yeah. payday uh, if the cap goes up. Uh, you know, I, I've got to think at this point, Brian Bartlett before he's going to sign a bridge deal here, um, he's going to wait to see what that cap figure is next year to decide. Uh, well, all right, could we go for that super long term deal, and could the Wild maybe? Um, you know, could they squeeze that out of the wild or are they going to have to go with a hefty bridge deal here because the wild just don't have the cap space, but he has been outstanding. Um, he's been great on the number one power play. Um, he's not, you know, in, in a lot, in a lot of ways, he's not playing even strength with the greatest line weight made to my opinion, but now he's going to get Rossi there tonight. Um, and so, uh, look, uh, Boldy is a special, special talent. Um, and he just looks like he's yeah. just, you know, oozing with confidence. Uh, the Wild started a five-game road trip in Boston on, on Saturday afternoon. That's where it all started for Boldy last January where he made his NHL debut and scored the winning goal there in his hometown. And I think he's just uh, looking outstanding. And, and Fiala was here the other day, and he looked outstanding too. So I think it's just uh, – I think it's representative of – two really good hockey players that could even drive their own lines even without each other. Uh, real quick before we wrap up, how do you see this one? Like Vancouver is a, like Vancouver's yeah. a wounded animal right now. We all know about yeah. the Minnesota Wilds woes and listen, everybody in, in BC is up in arms of what's happening, uh, you know, behind the bench and you know, what's going to, yeah. you know, what's, uh, what, what, what's going to happen. One thing to turn this thing around in Vancouver, how do you see this one playing out? Because I can see these two teams just trying to get at each other right away, opening yeah. puck drop because you know, Vancouver doesn't want another loss before they, they get back to, to yeah. Vancouver here. And I'm pretty sure Minnesota has about zero design to go Owen four to kick off the season. Yeah, exactly. And obviously you have the dynamic of the two previous wild coaches, right? One behind one bench in Minnesota, the other one uh, behind Vancouver that do not have any sort of relationship anymore and, or, you know, don't exactly love each other. So, um, you know, I, I do think you have that extra motivation and then you just have the motivation of two winless teams combined oh three and one coming in here um, and trying to get going. Um, You know, I I know Bruce obviously very, very well. Um, You know, he's saying all the right things. I, I look at that, that Vancouver team. I love them up, up the middle. I love them in goal, although Demko hasn't been very good. I think their blue line is really, really shaky uh, to say the absolute most positive thing I can say about that blue line. And until they address that, I think it's going to be awfully tough sledding for that Vancouver team. Um, You know, Bruce, uh, it didn't shock me that they're pulling, you know, Hoaglander out of the lineup tonight and playing Dakota Joshua still uh, just because of the size factor that Greenway is going to bring to this lineup. I think he probably wants a big player in there. Um, but, uh, you know, they've both these teams, you're starting to feel that pressure right now. And especially under Bruce, you know, they, they put him in this position to come into the season on a one-year deal and not give him the extension. And so now you have Bruce, um, you know, everybody's always going to be talking about, uh, him being on a, you know, really thin rope right now. And I, I think that we're starting to see that when you blow four multi-goal leads, uh, in your first four games, but Bruce is a great coach. I guarantee you, um, that his pregame speech to this team tonight is going to bring him, bringing them back to Anaheim when he started what 07 and two there or 07 and one. And they got, they, they got shut out yeah. like six times in the first 10 games his last year and wound up winning division. I think he's going to, he's going to point that out, but it, you know, it, it'll be something that he brings up to them. Trust me. 
channel the uh, the inner Anaheim, Bruce. Uh, Mike, you're always full yep. value. Thanks, uh, thanks as always for stopping by, sharing thoughts on the Wild and the the Wild's reverse retros. Uh, enjoy and listen. Look yeah. forward to the uh, the Billy Smith piece that's coming out. My my yeah. favorite little bit of, of trivia about Billy Smith was was told to me by Kelly Rudy. Uh, we were talking about Billy Smith once, and he played with with Billy Smith, obviously with the Islanders. And he said, you know, I would see him sitting in the dressing room. He loved sitting in the room reading Louis L'Amour cowboy novels. That was always one of Billy Smith's ways to relax, reading cowboy books in the dressing room with the Islanders. Everybody marches to their own beat, right, Mike? Everyone marches to their own beat. Yeah, Billy is one of a kind. I I got to cover him when he was the goalie coach in Florida, and uh, he's he's a beauty. Uh, We don't want to get within – some of the best lines I have in this story, by the way, are like not only didn't you want to come near his crease on the ice, but you didn't want to come within a four-foot semicircle of his stall before a game. And so so, – Teammates knew to be aware of them. Yeah, teammates teammates knew to be aware of them, not just the opponents. That's awesome. Look forward to that piece. Thanks, Mike. You be good. Enjoy the game tonight. You too, Jeff. See ya. The the excellent Mike Russo from the uh, Athletic. It is wild in the Vancouver Canucks. Want to thank Mike for stopping by. Uh, want to thank Elliot, but not his poor technology. Fix your phone for each uh, from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Uh, and I want to thank Greg Wyshynski uh, for stopping by on a rare Thursday. Normally, it's Wednesdays with Wish. We'll return to that next week here on the program. Uh, big thank you to our producer, Matt Marchese. Technical operator is Lance Kennedy. And making it all look good. Thanks, Jen Roll. Nick, you're the best. More of the Merrick Show tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. Enjoy your day. Enjoy the hockey tonight. Wrap up the week tomorrow. Thanks for joining me.